Shocking your mom, motherfucker. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to this special, special edition, multi-part trilogy, quad quadrilogy. I don't know. It's going to be four know. episodes. Uh, game of the Decade on the DTS podcast. Bet you didn't see that shit coming, did you, motherfuckers? We got really angry really fast. We got to <laughs> yeah, you set, you set the tempo. Sorry. I, I really did. I'm sorry. Whoops. Okay. Tone it back. I am Derek. Back. Hello, I'm, I'm Derek. Tony. It's a DTS podcast. It's also the end of the year. And yeah. so last week, Tony blew his load. Yep. Talked about his games of the year. I was not ready to do that, and I'm still not ready to do that. So Tony... With that big, beautiful, bald head of his, BBB, he uh, he thought about, hey, guess what? It's almost the end of a decade. You know yeah, what we dude. should do? Game of the decade. We should talk about games of the decade. Yeah. And, uh, dads be like, uh, you know, this New Year's, instead of dads being like, see you next year, boom, see you next see decade. See you next decade, yeah. Whoa. Order some pizza and have them deliver it late and go, you're a decade late, bitch. <laughs> wow, this took you a whole decade to get here. Yeah, what the fuck's up with that? Uh, yeah, but right. yeah, so so video games are a big deal to Tony and I both, um, True especially me. I host a video game podcast called the Level Up Show Podcast, True. and uh, and so games of the decade. You know what? What better way to wrap up a, a pretty good year of video games than to talk about the past ten of ten of them and figure out what could possibly be the game of the decade? Well, we're gonna decide definitively what the DTS podcast thinks is the game of the decade. And you can go out there and you can find list after list of game of the decade. They're all over the internet right now, but you know, you don't know what went into making those decisions. Derek and I, especially after doing this podcast for a year have found that we have very different opinions on some of these video games. He likes things that I fucking hate and vice versa. So, what we decided was we're going to go ahead and we're going to do a 32-game tournament bracket. Um, we'll seed out games 1 through 32. Uh, that'll be based on popular opinions slash lists that are already out there slash you know a variety of websites and uh, things like that. So the games are already pre-ranked 1 through 32. Um we may not agree with that exact spot, and that's why we're doing the tournament. But here's how it's going to go down. we got 32 teams. Um, they'll be seated against each other in standard tournament seating, just like March Madness. Um, now, a few kind of exceptions or, or unique things. We left off games that neither Derek or I played, for obvious reasons. We can't critique games that we neither one of us played. Um, and we left uh we only went with one game per franchise so you're not going to see like mass effect 2 and 3 on here mario several mario several zeldas uncharted's red, uncharted's red dead 1 and 2 um you're just going to see one game per franchise so in in a sense you know depending on what wins this could be the franchise of the decade as well as the game of the decade sure so, yeah absolutely um cuz you're assuming that this is the best of those games and that all those games rock. Um, am, I, am I missing anything before we jump into the rules? No, I think I think you're on, on, on point with it. You know, I, I, I threw out quite a few different uh, sequels and options there, and, and you helped refine that down. However, before we get to the rules, 
there are, there are a few games, and I won't say what games there are, but I did put a few games on this list that you basically told there, me to fuck off about. And there I'm are some games. There's a handful or more games that are on the bubble, and we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to talk about the rules and the format of this tournament, okay? So um, each match is going to be discussed. We're going to talk about, you know, obviously what the game is, what's, what seed it is in the tournament, and we're going to have to agree on a winner based on our discussion. So if we cannot agree upon a winner, if we cannot unanimously decide game A is better than game B, the default is we're going to use the lifetime Metacritic score of that game on the platform that has the most reviews. I think that's a fair and kind of unobjective way to look at it. Um, so that that's rule number one. Rule number two is that as a twist, because these are games, this list is a compilation of it's a big deal. Things. It's a big yes. deal because this list is a compilation from several different places of all different varieties of thoughts and everything like that. Derek's and I are pretty pissed off about a couple things being left off. So we're going to go through here in a little bit, one through 32, what the rankings are of our list and each host. So Derek and myself, you'll have, the option to veto two games from the original list of 32 in place of a game of your choosing. Now, the caveat here is that the game that you want to take out to get your game in has to be in the uh, outside the top 20. So you can't go in here and take off game number three sure. and put in a game that wasn't so, even in the 32. And I, w I will say this. I don't think that I'm not trying to abstain myself from saying that I helped seed this. But this is a lot of your seating feelings. Yeah. I didn't do a lot of this. This is Tony doing a lot of the seating himself. I shifted around a couple things, namely the fact that uh, what what I would deem is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you had it like number four, number five, uh, that being God of War, uh, and, yeah. and I and I bumped it up, and I shifted around a couple of things. But really, this is this is your baby. Yeah. Well, and that's that's why this is a compilation of lists from various things. It's not going to be perfect, but I put these games on here in a way that was representative of hopefully the public opinion uh, from critics, from game reviewers, things like that. And then we're going to decide if these motherfuckers are right or not. And we're going to have some really good conversations because I've, I've sort of, you know, been preemptively bracketing some of these down to, you know, the, the 16 round, the uh, elite eight and the final four. And there are some really good, con even in this first round that we're going to talk about, there are some real good conversations to have once you get into some of the numbers. A lot of this boils down to the fact that as I sat there and thought about this idea, which cool, I mean, kudos to you. Yeah. It also calm down. <laughs> You're not supposed to say, yeah, you fucking up. Humble, yeah. motherfucker. Be humble. Sit down. Sit down. Be humble. Um, it really gives an option to showcase a lot of video games from 10 years. And that's a lot of time in both of our lives. I mean, 10 years ago, you and I were 21 young studs ready to take on the world. Right. And we've played 10 years worth of video games. And a lot of those need to be uh, accredited with a, a change of the game. And, uh, and And that's what I'm excited about this is really trying to have some pretty in-depth conversations. Some of these will probably go really fast, and some of those will probably take a while to really battle it out. And yeah. that's what I'm excited about. So, you know, you, you bring up a point of games over 10 years, drastically different games in 2000. 
2010 are going to be different than games 2019, and that's why we have things that we'll be talking about per round um, that that will help us kind of establish where this game is at. Ultimately, the the overall rule of how a game wins is just, just what we think about it. Is it a better game than its opponent? Period. Um, any given Sunday, any game can win. But I'm going to go through. There's going to be three rounds before we get to the finals. And with each of those rounds, we're going to talk about a certain uh, specific aspect of the video game in question. So the first round, which is you know uh, all 32 games, we're going to talk their release dates, what platforms they came out on, what genre they're in, some of their sales figures, um, their impact on the gaming industry, and we're going to talk a little bit about our personal experience in a brief way, not super in-depth, but um, what we felt about the game as we played it for the first time. Um, and that that's going to give us a really well-rounded look at this game. Did it sell well? What was the uh, what was the impact of the industry? Did it change? Did it create its own genre? Things like that. So that's going to be the first round, and it's going to be the most... Um, time-consuming round to go through and probably where a lot of good debate will happen there will be some give me's though there will be some games that are clearly better than their opponents but jumping into round two which will be part two of this podcast we're going to talk about the game accolades so like game of the year best director things like that critical reception at release so you know think destiny <laughs> it was almost critically praised it released and then shit upon uh over and over again i, I would say the opposite with destiny yeah also. sorry it, yes yeah it's, it was critically panned at release right and then got sucked its dick hard as soon as they got to the taken king after they left after they left a lot of players in the dust but you know we're going to talk about that critical reception what what that factors into um does that make it a good game bad game things like that we're going to talk about the development stories so not just pre-release like how a game came into being but also support and implementation i hate to harp on destiny but again destiny being one think about you know we'll go to a different <laughs> we'll go to a different uh game under the same umbrella um anthem so yeah uh, zero support with that game. So might have been really great development up until release. Really yeah. great advertising. Reception, reception wasn't great. Looked like it was going to be Post-launch wasn't yep. great. BioWare didn't do a great job of, of helping it come off the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, a game is more than just the disc that you get. It's the company behind it. It's the support that you get. It's the longevity of it. So we have to take those things into account. Um, it, that, that, creates the experience that it, that it leaves with you so um, and then we'll that second round we'll talk about more in-depth experiences so what were some of your favorite parts of the game um, what were some uh, you know how many hours did it take you to beat it what was the value that you got out of it things like that that'll take us down to our elite eight um, that's gonna be the third round we're gonna talk in the third round about lifespan. If it, if they made it to the third round, it's got to have a good lifespan. I uh, think Borderlands Two that was stretched out over seven or eight years, but still had a, an amazing following. Um, we're gonna talk about plot points of the games. Uh, games that make it to the Elite eight probably have amazing stories or amazing gameplay elements. Uh, we'll talk about downloadable content. Um, that was a wave of this generation or this decade of games uh, having DLC. And then we'll talk about personal impact. So 
did this game personally impact you? I know, I know, a little bitch here. He cried at God of War. I did. And, and The Last of I Us, did. right? Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. bawled at The Last of Us. Sure. Then we're gonna get down to our final round, which is gonna be the final four, and then the actual championship. And the only format for that is it's all out war, baby. Everything goes. We're gonna talk about everything. It's all out the window. Yep. There is no. There is no format. That's the only format. So, hopefully, that's clear enough for you, Derek. What do you think? I, I'm way into it, Tony. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into the game list. We have 32 games. We're gonna go through <clears throat> pretty basically one through 32. Start. We're gonna start at 32 and go up, um, and then we will jump into some discussion. So. Here are some games that I've got listed that are kind of on the bubble. They did not make the top 32, and I don't need to hear your bitching and moaning, okay? Oh, I, I, will keep, I will keep my mouth shut. Derek's over there gearing up his BMW, his bitching, moaning, and whining. Yep. Uh, games left out. Celeste, Rocket League, Spider-Man, 2018 Spider-Man, Apex Legends, Wolf Among Us, Mario Kart 8. Those are ones that Derek put. I think there are... a ton of games that I could think of probably 15 games that I would say have some sort of shot or argument to be in there. Um, but I mean, if we, if, yeah, I tried to be pretty thin about it. Yeah. And I mean, if we were to try to list the greatest game, I mean, we would have a much bigger bracket than 32 games. Correct. Right. So here we go. Starting an entire year. Yeah. That, well, I mean, I, I know of a show that did that debacle. That's true. Um, I am going to start here at number 32, number 32, your 32nd best game of all time, apparently, or this decade rather is overwatch 31 Fortnite. So are already two kind of battler games. Number 30 is Bioshock infinite. 29 is Batman Arkham city. 28 is doom 2016 doom. 2016 Doom, the remake. Yep. 27 is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Number 26, Shovel Knight. Yep. 25, Pokemon Go. You want to take a few here? Yeah, so we got uh, number 24, Nier Automata. Uh, Number 23, Shadow of the Colossus. That was the remake from 2018, which... Which is a remake of a remake. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say it's a little bit of a caveat, but that's fine. Uh, number 22, that's a Tony game. It's Divinity Original Sin 2. Uh, number 21 here. Here's where we got to decide something, Tony. Yep. Where are we at? I, my heart says... I'm sorry. So my Uncharted. Head says, yeah, Uncharted is, franchise. is where we're at. I'm at Uncharted so, 2. Can I tell you why this is on here as a question mark? Sure. So, Uncharted 2 came out in late 2009. Oh, fuck. Did it really? So it's got to be Uncharted 4. So Uncharted 2 release date, right. October 13th, 2009. You're right. So so for me, this is Uncharted 4 because Uncharted 3 just didn't do it for me. Uncharted 4 nailed everything I wanted from that franchise and still left you wanting a little more. So for me, number 21, do you agree with me? Yep. We're going I, Uncharted 4. Uncharted 4, it's on there, baby. Uh, number right. 20, Super Mario Odyssey. Take uh, us up to 15. That's fine. Number 19, Horizon Zero Dawn. What a fucking great game. Number 18, Minecraft. Number 17, Diablo 3. Well, hold on. Let's, let's back it up one quick second. Fine. Because Minecraft is in the same sort of boat. 
Um, now, Minecraft originally came out in 2009. Sure. However, it was not popular and not ported to consoles until the 2010 decade. So I'll, I will allow it. We're going to give that a small caveat because that game is still one of the best-selling games of all time. Um, and 95% of its sales came in this decade. So Minecraft was at 18. Diablo 3, 17. Uh, number 16, Borderlands 2. And number 15 is the original. Original, not 2. Original Destiny. Right. Jumping up to number 14, Metal, Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, the Phantom Pain. Number 13 is Bloodborne. Number 12 is Portal 2. God damn, if that wasn't a good game. Number 11 is Dark Souls 3. That's a tough one. Because Dark Souls is another franchise with three awesome games all in this decade. But Dark Souls 3, I think, because of the graphics and the gameplay and some of the refinement, had to be the really, one. Really nailed it. Yeah. Num- number 10, I know this is going to be super controversial for you. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, you haven't really played any Zelda games, so I don't give a fuck what you think about what right. Zelda no, games I, the best. I'm, I'm, full, I'm completely... I, I'm, I'm fine with not having a voice on other Zelda games, so let me tell you something, Tony. Let me tell you something. You don't like the game. Breath of the Wild? Fuck trash. Okay, yeah. Uh, you're, lucky, you're lucky you put it above 20. Take us to five, man. Uh, number nine, Grand Theft Auto V, which is good because Grand Theft Auto IV, which might have come out before the last 10 years, was bad. Uh, Forgettable. Titanfall 2. Uh, which what a great game respawn killing it all out four uh, uh the last of us which is pro- should probably be top five in my opinion but i'm not gonna I digress number five skyrim yeah um the last of us kind of hurt me uh, and i think I have to just say, like, when i'm doing research for this i was expecting it to be like top three uh just because of Maybe because I'm just recent biased of of the sequel, but you'll be surprised how many people did not have it in their top five uh, out there on the interwebs. And I know this is our list. That's mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, Number five, Skyrim. Number four, Red Dead 2. Number three, Mass Effect 2. Uh, That was a tough one for me. I know You haven't played those, right? Not a single one of them. Yeah. So you're going to have to do a lot of convincing me to not take something... Above Mass Effect 2. Yep, yeah, yep. I think there's an argument. All right. Number two is what, Derek? Number two is, in in my opinion, again, one of the greatest games of all time, as I said before, God of War 2018. Game of the year last year. A game that moved me and did things for video gaming that I don't think other video games have done. God of War last year is almost a perfect game. Yeah, and that's that's in the top couple of the decade, I think it might be top 10 of all time. That's Uh, for sure. So we'll see where we land on that. And then rounding it out, coming in at the number one seating, the pole position, if you're a NASCAR fan, is The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. That's a hell of a list, Eric. It's a big game. It's a big big, big game list. A lot of uh, heavy hitters going into this, and... I can't tell you that I agree with what the number one is, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what we think, and we're going to find out definitively what the game of the last 10 years is. You're goddamn right. Uh, And so let's go over the bracket that we will – I don't know if you would call this one of the divisions, right? Like one of the divisions of the bracket. I'm not a big – 
big NCAA March Madness guy, so I don't know what they call sure. it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so you got the quartile, right? Yeah. So we have four matchups we're going to go over today. This is your regions. This Okay, region. Yep, region one here. So we have the number one seed, The Witcher 3, going against the number 32 seed, Overwatch. Uh, then we'll be discussing the number 16 seed, Borderlands 2, which bumps right against the number 17 seed, Diablo 3. Both of those came out in 2012. That's a, that's a packed year. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the next game, uh, the next uh, matchup. Number nine seed GTA 5 versus number 24 Near Automata. Yeah. Uh, and then the last match we'll talk about. Uh, Rounding up the night, you got Titanfall 2 taking on Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go is on the list, baby. Best game of the decade, maybe. It's possible. Anything's possible. Spoiler alert. Definitely not going to be Pokemon Go. But listen, hey, stay tuned. You don't know. You know what, though? I researched some know. of these matches, and I was shocked by some of these numbers. Um, so let's get let's get started right here at let's the go. first the first match, because this is one that shocked me is, you know, the Witcher three versus Overwatch. Uh, I can tell you that I thought right away slam dunk the Witcher three. And I think we'll probably come to the conclusion that maybe that's where we want to go. But some of the numbers that Overwatch put up. Blew my fucking mind. It's a Blizzard game, man. It's a Blizzard. It's a hero shooter. It changed the genre when it comes to hero shooters. It set the tone for a lot of esports. I mean, I'm going to let you talk here, but it it, it did. It changed the game. So let's go by the numbers. We'll start with Overwatch being the 32 seed. So this was released 2016 on Windows, PS4, and Xbox, and it was actually just released a couple months ago on the Switch. Um, You're going to find a recurring theme with a lot of these games that eventually came out on the Switch. It's about five years later on every single one of them, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is fucking blowing my mind that that it takes five years to port it to a Switch. Uh, do you think the Switch, real quick side note, is it five years behind on hardware? No, it's the fact that these games all came out before the Switch or a Nintendo console could handle it. Yeah. So, that's so re- I don't know that they're them. five years behind. It's... It's just that a lot of the good games came out five years ago, and so they want to make sure that it's playable on their platform. Plus, right. again... Imagine the fact that you are Blizzard. Nintendo wants your game on their console. That that speaks volumes. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Um, so sales numbers for Overwatch give you an idea of just the impact. So within a week uh, of launch, Blizzard reported that they had over 7 million individual players uh, and had revenued, brought in revenues of $265 million in the first month. Now, that's a big number, right? You got to think that includes the game, but it also includes microtransactions, which is was Overwatch that that was Overwatch for a while. Skins, you know, upgrades things like that. Um as of November 2019, the game is over 50 million individual unique lifetime players. 50 million. A lot. That is Again, a ton. When you talk about a, a, a company such as Blizzard who have revolutionized multiple different genres and done so many different things with so many different platforms, like the, I, I, I'm sure there can be, and, and I'm being hyperbolic here, but talk to me about a developer or a company who has games that have defined genres and years such as Warcraft to World of Warcraft, Starcraft 1 and 2, Diablo, Overwatch. I mean... right. You just don't have a track record like that in a lot of companies. And they've just, 
what are you talking about here? Yeah, so, I mean, you look at those sales numbers, right? 7 million individual players in the first week, 265 million in revenue in the first month, 50 million lifetime players over you know the last three plus years in contrast we go to we go to the witcher 3 which i think for your average person is probably going to think that this is one of the best games uh best games but also best selling games of all time so the witcher 3 had 1.5 million pre-orders um that's six time in the first week it sold six times the initial copies as its predecessor the witcher 2 which was and it neared 10 million copies in that first year um and as of june of this year it surpassed 40 million so put that in perspective if you get a million copies of a game sold lifetime as a developer you're like popping bottles crazy i mean a, a million a million is a lot of titles to sell so f- for the witcher 3 to be at 40 million that is a big big number and tops of a lot of uh, Game of the Year lists also, you know. Game of the Year in, in 2015, for sure. I mean, let alone, you know, Game of the Decade, Game of All Time. I mean, it. there's an argument here for Goaty on The Witcher 3 uh, when you take into account a lot of different factors. Here's where it really comes down to me, though. Sales numbers are great, but what what's the impact of these video games on the industry? You have Overwatch on one hand um, that was kind of an innovator. I mean, it's it's credited by a lot of people to be kind of that backbone of the esports industry. I mean, esports were around, right? Like you had the Pokemon TCG and Magic the Gathering, and you know um, you had some people that were watching Madden tournaments and things like that. But I mean, you saw League of Legends, League of Legends, you still Warcraft had, uh, arenas, uh, Dota, yep, Hearthstone. So. You have some of these esports, and Overwatch just fucking hits, man, and it explodes. Right? We talked about the numbers. But just blew up. It, it became one of the first games to gather a massive following internationally that was outside of a standard gamer demographic. I mean, you had like moms and dads, brothers and sisters that were clamoring to play Overwatch. Sure. Because of its like really easy like pick up and play mechanics, uh, and then you had people staying and becoming an esport because it was I mean really intricate um, with what you could do. Uh, fun fact: so how it impacts the industry, you know, gaming it impacted the gaming industry. But if you want to know a little fun fact, Overwatch was the most non-conforming porn search in 2016 and 17. <laughs> so once you get out of like lesbians and anal and shit like that, uh, you get into the weird shit. Overwatch was the most searched thing on Pornhub two years in a row. Which is pretty crazy. I mean, people are freaky, man. I mean, there were there were huge... Con- Do you remember these huge controversies about like... Overwatch porn? Well, not just Overwatch porn, but like the over-sexualization of some of their characters and like Blizzard, oh, yeah. Blizzard caught heat and all that stuff. I mean, we'll... You know, Overwatch probably not going to make it to the next round, but you know, if far, there's, as far there's as a the, damn good reason to make it go to the next round here because it really brought mainstream esports into a reality to have a company such as Blizzard come out and make a, a, a new, not a new genre, but to me it was. I'd never played like a real hero shooter before and right. have that be 
such a big deal, right? Everyone's played an RPG, right? Everyone's played a game that's got really good story. Everyone's played a game that's got really good gameplay. Not very many people had played a hero shooter necessarily right. before Overwatch came out. So I, I, I'm... People's exposure to these type of games before Overwatch were a much more structured thing. So you think about like League or Dota, like you're rushing a lane, you're picking a specific hero, you know your role. Um, It's far less chaotic, right? So Overwatch was like League of Legends and Dota, say hello to Call of Duty. Right. And let's, let's marry these bastards up. And it really worked. The The outlier here was like the sci-fi genre. So like Destiny. Um, uh, gosh, I'm like blanking out on some of these other like sci-fi shooters. Um, like your Titanfalls and things like that. But this really brought sci-fi fantasy meets MMO FPS. Um, and it worked, man. And Blizzard has that very unique, like you talked about, art style, that very unique like characterization and, and charisma and flair to their characters and their games. Like I said, and I here I, we are. It's it's tough. A one thirty two match is tough, right? Like, of course, I my my head says my head says Witcher moves on because you know it's the Witcher, yeah. right? But when you talk about like, the Witcher didn't really change the game necessarily. It was just that fucking good where right. Overwatch wasn't necessarily that fucking good because there was no single player aspect to it, but it changed the game like it did yeah. crazy shit, well, you know, so it's I. I let's talk it, about it the Witcher because here, here we are. Number one seed versus number 32 seed. And guess what? Spoilers. This is not a phone in like this isn't like a slam dunk. Witcher goes on. There is a conversation to be had, but let's talk about the Witcher's impact, right? So the Witcher is probably widely considered in the industry. We talked to, we talked to several times now about it being, you know, a get best game of all time, or at least in that conversation. This is a tentpole game, and in the industry, a tentpole game means that this is a game that comes in and blows people the fuck away, and it puts its flagpole in the ground, and it holds up the tent for all the other kitties to come in underneath it um and follow it follow in its footsteps um for the next year so you look at like what the witcher inspired it was it it wasn't a brand new formula but it was like a really well executed formula it's 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 just refinement right it's showing someone who and i'd never played a witcher game before witcher 3 so i i I can be this person right i'd never heard of it i'd never seen it right but the idea that i love a great rpg you're telling me a great story alongside of it i heard that the side quests were fucking just spectacular yeah And, and you know you had little gameplay touches and little gameplay elements like Hey, guess what? You hop on your horse and just press a button and it automatically goes to the next. Like, yeah, that was fucking mind blowing for me yeah. to just be able yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's I know it's so dumb, like Red Dead 2 does it. But for me, that was fucking mind blowing that I could just pre- put my controller down and just kind of let it do its thing and get to where I needed to go while still living and breathing within that world. Yeah. Um, and for me, the lasting experience that The Witcher had for me was just m- marrying good game great gameplay really yep alongside of a of 
fucking good story. Like True. not not a ton of games are able to do both, right? And, and sure, a lot of games do do it. But when we're talking about this 32 list here, you're talking about the best of the best of the best. And The Witcher just crushed it. And you look at the impact that it had on on CD Projekt Red, who still was like, they're using this license from this fucking writer who doesn't even get like residuals on this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and making it a million dollar uh, franchise. You and know, now, now you have everybody salivating at their next project, right? Like they had turned themselves into an overnight success by putting in the work and making a game that could withstand the test of time. Yeah, and here's. <sighs> Here's what I'll say, right? So you talked about, we talked about the tent pole and like what it did differently. I, I want to reference back to a game like Skyrim, which we're going to talk about later on in the list, but that game came out in 2010, 2011, something like that. That was a tent pole game. So when you look at the source of like, what's the first really huge open world game this decade? It's Skyrim. Like if you go anywhere, do anything. Sure. Yeah. And a tent pole game what that typically means is you got this game, it comes out and it's four to five years before you see the effects of the industry games copying, right? You games have to go through an entire development cycle to pick up on what this game already did five years ago. So the Witcher comes in and it takes this Skyrim element of really in depth side quests, run around and do whatever and just find shit in the environment, really unique mechanics for your gameplay and your combat and it refines it and becomes another temple. And it, what I think really set the Witcher apart and the impact that it had on the on the industry that we started seeing last year and into this year is that refinement on the storytelling and the side quests. Before you go to an open world game like Skyrim is another example. You go do side quests in Skyrim. You might get a cool piece of gear and, and learn a little bit about the lore, but it's not really impacting anything. You you can blast right through that shit, and it doesn't make any difference. In The Witcher, it's dynamic. You do side quests in this area, and it impacts the entire region, and it ties back to the main story. You know, you know like if you go help this one farmer. You know, maybe you get a better saddle for your horse, which is going to help you win a race against this guy, which is going to get you something for the main quest line. Now, you don't need to do that, but if you do do that, you're better off, right? So that sort of execution was amazing. On top of all that, it's got a great story, and I think it goes, it, it does a lot to say, hey, The Witcher, it got a Netflix show. Yeah, that's fucking for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can't get more impactful than crossing media boundaries. And right? That's a big deal. I mean, that's for sure, right? So we're I locked think, in? I think the the last thing I want to say about Overwatch before we kill it, because I know that's where we're at, and that's I, I'm okay allowing this to go. Right. But I, the thing I want to give Overwatch props for is being open to having different style characters and having that great balance of what those characters can do and talking about gay characters, gay, gay gorillas. Characters. Yeah. 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 Just being able to really in, embody a group of people and embody a, 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 a culture change, which in 2019 and even back in 2015 or when it came out, 2016, when it came out, it was a big ass deal. Um, right. 
And so Blizzard dealt with that heads on and uh, more more power to them. Yep. Um, I think Overwatch is great. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they really do with Overwatch 2, although it doesn't seem like a big change. But Overwatch changed the game. And I personally, I, I, I would have reseeded it a little bit because I think this game should go farther. But this is just the way that the rules work, and I'm not going to use one of my vetoes because... Uh, I think a lot of the games you would even try to put up that I've got on the list there go up against Witcher 3 and get a lose. So right. um, I, I think we're locked in here, Tony. I think we're going Witcher 3. Yep. This is going to be your first chance to use a veto, though. So if you look through you know, the bracket that we're going through now and then the next region below that, do you see any games that you want to kick off this list in favor of a Rocket League? I personally, yeah, I, I I've got a couple games on here that I would want to veto. But what are you can, looking can for? Can you can you veto my veto? Is my question. Uh, I can't veto your veto, but I will say payback's a bitch. I might take a game off that you fucking love that I don't like. I would sacrifice, and this is my sacrifice. Like Creed always said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would sacrifice Bioshock Infinite for Rocket League. I really would. Wow, that's really surprising. I mean, I'm not trying to fight. Like, I, if I wanted to come swinging at you and try to take out Divinity, I'm not stupid enough to do that. I'm not trying to take out a, a great game like Shadow, even though I've never played it. Like, I know the impact of that game. Um, I so, mean, if I wasn't if I wasn't going to take this out, it would be Fortnite. But Fortnite has such a cultural cultural impact; it deserves to be talked about. But I mean, if I'm talking twenty down. The only game I would be I would be okay with taking out besides Bioshock Infinite would <laughs> and this hurts to say also Doom uh, would would probably be Doom. Uh, I know that, um, yeah. And and I think Doom deserves to have its place in history. I think Bioshock is good. Um I think Bioshock 1 is better and I think the graphics and the the gameplay of Infinite's great, but there's something to be said about the culture change that happened after the full release of Rocket League was a PlayStation Plus game. And the fact that that is also one of the first games ever to really push the boundaries of wanting crossplay. Yep. And that's kind of what helped us get where we are today. So I truly believe Rocket League deserves to be on this list. You want to lock it in? I'm, I mean, if, if, if you are not going to fight me about it, that's for sure. Well, I... I definitely haven't played Bioshock Infinite. So, you know, my argument is there are games on this list I don't like, but at least I played them. Like, I played sure. Nier. That's I played fair. Doom. Um, played Shovel Knight. So, yeah, Bioshock can can take a fucking hike. See All right. Number 30. Veto used Rocket League Fuck, yes. in there. Put a dash with a veto next to it. That way we know it. DV Veto got used. I've got one more to use if I if I want to. I'm glad you took off Bioshock Infinite. Good. Because I thought you were going to take off, like, Shadows or Divinity. No. no and then I, I was, was going to fucking swoop in there and put a game like Celeste in and just rip out Doom no. or uh, uh, Nier. I, I'm taking this list pretty seriously. And, and like I said, out of all the games that are really down there on that list, and we could add more if we really wanted to, yeah. but out of everything that we had on our bonus list, Rocket League was the game that meant the most to me. Um it because gave it really, us a lot of good memories. We're going to get there, but it yeah, gave it us did. a fucking load of good memories. Great, great memories, but again, the fact that like PlayStation Plus was just kind of there and like it didn't really make a whole lot of waves. 
until like this fucking Rocket League. You're driving a car hitting a soccer ball game came out and people are like, wait, this fucking game is awesome. Why yeah. is this a PlayStation Plus game? And it blew everything out of the water. It changed everything for PlayStation Plus games. Don't blow your load yet, t- man. I'm sorry. I love this. Just as an update, you vetoed Bioshock Infinite at yeah. number 30 and added in Rocket League. That now puts Rocket League up against the number three seed, Mass Effect 2. That is going to be a really good discussion. We're not there yet. Thank We're you. not there yet. Let's jump back into the first region. Uh, this is a really tough one, man. I, I was not expecting the first two things that we talked about it, to fuck me this bad. Number 16 seed Borderlands 2 against number 17 seed Diablo 3. These are probably two of my favorite games of this decade, period. Like, period. And uh, fuck me, man. What's, what's your initial um, so thought on this matchup? My my gut feeling is I didn't come to Diablo 3 until way late, and yeah. I loved Borderlands the second I played it. And so okay. my gut reaction, if I was just pity, if I was picking this without giving any conversation, it's Borderlands. Okay. So I, I'm I'm leaning Borderlands, clearly. Um, but I think I've got a lot to say about Diablo, but go for it. Well, let's jump into the objective numbers then. Borderlands 2 was released September... Uh, 2012. Uh, it is an RPG genre as a, a type, but it it's a schluter. That's that's the name, right? And when we get into impact, we'll talk about how it basically created the schluter genre. So, sales wise, Borderlands 2 did really well. It did eight and a half million copies in the first 18 months, um, and it sold over 20 million copies to date. Um, and what I think is crazy about it is as of September of this year, which is right before the release of the se- the sequel, Borderlands the 3, yep. it had over 1 million active individual users as of September. 1 million motherfuckers are playing that game. I mean, that, that game holds up as a ton of DLC. There's plenty to do. Yeah. And... It really, it was the epitome of what they wanted to do in one and with a, with some good refinement and I thought a better story. Yep. Why wouldn't it be? Now, in contrast, Diablo 3 kind of crushes Borderlands on numbers. Uh, so Diablo 2 released in 2012 uh, on PC, Mac, uh, PS3, and Xbox. Later released next year on PC or PS4 and Xbox One. And then it was released uh, just this year on Switch. Five years later. That's weird. Didn't I say that? You did. You know what else? We didn't mention it, but what's your three? Five years later. Yeah, five years later, yeah. Um, this is a top-down crawler, uh, dungeon crawler, RPG. Uh, and similar to Borderlands kind of creating the subgenre of Schluter, Diablo 3, I think it could be argued that they maybe didn't create, but at least pushed into existence the top-down dungeon-crawling isometric 3D, you know, RPG. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. They, they they made that genre what it is. For sure. What do you, th- before we get into the impact, what do you, what do you just feel, gut, gut feeling, what do you think the impact is of these games? So when it comes to Borderlands 2, I mean, Borderlands 1 had, uh, had more impact, I would say. But yeah. I think when it comes to uh, Borderlands 2 and the multiplayer aspect of like, okay, I have the ability to now play a four-player co-op game with my friends. 
got a good story. The Schluter thing was huge of guns, guns, guns. Right. All these different worlds. It also had the the cell shaded uh, artwork, which was still fairly new, at least to me, in that regard. Um, Eight years later, they still went with it. Uh, Yeah, right. I had never seen it before, and it seemed really cool. Um, Just between, you want to talk about, again, a a great RPG. You had great uh, characters, great writing, awesome guns, good gameplay. The story was solid. Um, You know, it it just, it really refined all the great stuff of Borderlands 1. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is really, really we're giving Borderlands 1 its due. But because of the date and time, it's Borderlands 2. Um, but if you want to talk, talk about Diablo, I was so adverse to playing a Diablo game uh, because of my history with it with my uh, my, my stepmom, who I, I just, all she played was that. And so I had this aversion to like, ooh, Diablo, no, I don't want to do that. Okay. It's not for me. Um, I, you know, dungeon crawler-ish RPG stuff was never my cup of tea, or so I thought. Right. And then I, I, I gave it a chance, right? And and kind of broke out of my shell of like, wait a second, this is, I mean, I can be a mage and shoot fire and fuck people up. And yeah. holy shit, there's this room full of gold and I can get all this fucking loot. And I mean, the story didn't really do anything for me, but the gameplay was so fucking perfect it was amazing. I just, I, I was, yeah. I, I was ashamed of myself for not playing it on PC at that point because how did, you know, how did someone who doesn't respect video games like I do play these other two games and I just shrugged it off? Like I felt like an idiot. Right. And, you know, <laughs> I remember the two of us stopping our playthrough of Diablo in favor of Rocket League. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's ironic, but it is kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we, I mean, we ran the fuck out of some Diablo three, the dungeons felt good. Yeah. That just, I mean, everything about Diablo was just, it was just good. Like it just, yeah. It just talk good. about, talk about two games that really mirror each other. Um, they're both, uh, they're both sequels or in a, in a larger franchise. They're um, looters. They're, they're looters. Not shooter looters, but looters. Sure. But looters in general. They have an an incredible longevity. Um, they're still active like to this day. And then they're the replayability of both of these games is insane. Yeah. Um, you know, Borderlands Two. Here, here's a couple things that that you have to think about. So they have the Guinness World Record for the most unique gun options in a video game. Now, did you already look at the notes? No, no, no. Okay. I, I've looked How at many gun combinations do you think they have? Uh, I don't even know. A million. They have 35 million gun combinations that you can get <laughs> in Borderlands 2. 35 million. Uh, what? Yeah, that's like one gun for every copy of the game they've sold. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I don't... Uh... It's crazy. 35? 35 million gun combinations. What the fuck? The franchise as a whole more or less defined the Schluter genre, um, and, and that goes back to Borderlands 1, but Borderlands 2 coming in with three times as many guns, so much replayability, um, new game mechanics, multiplayer functionality. I mean, it really propelled... It really propelled the genre to what games tried to do in the future. Um, 
And I think there's some impact. Like, I, I recall back when Borderlands 2 came out, I knew a lot of people that were playing it. And I was kind of just like, fuck this game, man. It looks stupid. Like, it's cartoony. It's it's fucking weird. That, I never felt that way. I Like, I was so into Borderlands 1. At yeah. Borderlands 2, I was just like, I'm fucking sold well, on this idea of playing games co-op. And yeah. I love an idea of being able to play games online with my friends. Borderlands 1 was out when I was going through my heavy JRPG phase. So, like, it sure. passed me by in the blink of an eye. I wasn't really into shooters. I was definitely more into role-playing games. And as a matter of fact, probably when Borderlands 2 or Borderlands 1 came out, I was probably just deep dick in Diablo 2. Um, sure. I mean, that that's... Jumping into Diablo 2, you talk about a little bit of personal experience. Like, I I played so much fucking Diablo 2. Like, I don't know if someday we're going to be able to harvest our brains and figure out, like, how much time we spent on certain things. I would bet I spent more time in Diablo 2 than any video game I've ever played. And so Diablo 3 was natural. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm in, dude. You know, I built a computer about the time Diablo 3 came out. Like, I custom built a, a gaming PC, not just for Diablo 3, but... It was a thought. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and here's, for me, when it comes to, like, the longevity or at least the the going into these games, I guess, is, is and then coming out of them on the other side. When I when I went into Diablo 3, it was very much like, okay, maybe I should open up my, my mind a little bit. I was in this, this phase of, because with, with Borderlands 1, this is why I give Borderlands so much love. Is I was not a first-person guy at all. I fucking sure. hated first-person shooters. I thought they were the dumbest genre in the world. I did not want to do them. And so then I got into Borderlands One and I was like, "Oh, it's actually pretty fucking good. Like right. I, I actually enjoy this." And then I'm like, "Wait, I can play with, I can play with my friends? Like fuck, yeah, dude, let's do this shit." And so Borderlands yeah. Two was just more of that. And so it was kind of the same way with Diablo Three. I was in this mindset of trying to figure out, okay, how do I go about trying to play new styles and, and, and understanding new games that I was so adverse to before, you know, previously. Yep. And so when it came out on uh, PS, I want to say we played it on PS4, didn't we, originally? Yeah. So I got it on PS4 back in 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. And uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I could play this online. Right. Play it with somebody and run through these dungeons and have a good time with a, a buddy of mine. Just fucking shit up. But it was also this, you know, the isometric feeling of seeing these games from, like, that top-down perspective, which was new to me. Randomized dungeons. Yeah, the randomized dungeons. And, again, just going in with really zero expectations and coming out the other end and going, holy shit, this has opened up a whole new world for me. Like, if a game came out with the words Diablo forever, holy shit, I'd be fucking ecstatic for it. And lo and behold, here we are, you know? We're, we're here six years later, seven years later, and we're going to get it. Yep. And that's awesome to me. But so look, I, cannot, I cannot discount the fact that Borderlands slash Borderlands 2 itself really impacted me more as a person and from okay. a game standpoint. And that's why where I'm at with it. Yeah. So let's, let's before you weigh in on your final judgment here. Let's talk about a little bit of the legacy. So we talked about the legacy of Borderlands 2, but for Diablo, so this is a game that within 24 hours of its release sold 3.5 million copies on PC. Within 24 hours. Uh, 
to date, they've sold over 30 million copies between all platforms. It's the third best PC game selling game of all time. That's behind Minecraft, and I'm not sure what the second game is, but Jesus Christ. Um, but there were a lot of problems with Diablo 3. So you started playing it on console, right? I did. I played it on PC. Now, because you didn't play it till console came out, you were spared some of the, the initial backlash in the first year, right? So when it was announced pretty close to release that this was an uh, online always game, that was a more or less a brand new concept that this game started. Like, you have to be online to play it. Nowadays, that's every game, right? Like, you you practically can't play a game that's offline. Um, so for Diablo 3 to be like, you have to be online all the time, um, it was a big deal, I remember. And part of that was to combat hacking and things like that, like, uh, and modding, which was crazy huge in Diablo 2. Um, but the other part of it was that that was the tipping point of where we're at in gaming now. Like you're always connected. You're always at the la- the latest patch. You're always at the latest hot fix. Um, and that was an implementation that blizzard with world of Warcraft and Starcraft, they knew worked. You know what I mean? Right. So that was a big deal. Um, and I, would they, were, ultimately, they were going over the, they were going over the winning combination already. Yes. I would ultimately call that a pro but I remember at the time of release, I knew people that weren't going to buy it because they didn't want to be online all the time. Not everybody had high-speed internet. Not everybody had unlimited data, you know, no no bandwidth caps. Um, and not everybody had fast internet. So I knew people that did not buy it at release for those exact reasons. Take a step further, um, Real Money Auction House. What a fucking shit show. Yeah. So if you don't know, because you're one of the, you know, 20 million people that bought it on a console, um, when Diablo 2 launched, or Diablo 3 launched, it had an auction house system. So if I got an item, I could sell it for a price. Now, it allowed you to either sell it for in-game currency or real fucking money. And it wasn't directly like, I had an item and you could pay me directly $5 for it, but you could buy currency with real money and the market set the going rate for the currency. So it, it might be like on opening day, if you want a million gold, it's going to cost you $500, but in five weeks, maybe that million gold is going to cost you $120 or something like that. Right. I mean, the it's very much like the economy, right? It's up and down. It's based on supply and demand. But people were literally making thousands of dollars in real life just farming high-end Diablo stuff and then selling it for real money. And thank God they nixed that within the first year and before it got ported to consoles because it there was a point where the it was toxic. It was toxic. There was a really point toxic. where you know it was pay to win. Um, it was uh, quite literally fucking up the entire game economy, um, and it made it. It took away some of the camaraderie. I mean, if you're matched up with some randos in a in a rift or something like that, you know they're not just going to drop these legendary items on the ground anymore. They're going to go sell them for gold or for 
real money. So they scaled it back. They got rid of the real money feature and just went with in-game currency, which leveled out the economy pretty pretty well. But then altogether, they just got rid of it. No auction house. They just nixed it, um, which I think was the right idea. But that was a that's a real big negative on their legacy is sure. you talk about pay to win and like microtransactions. This might've been the start of it. Like this might've been one of the OGs. I mean, between that and, uh, <laughs> battlefield or battle. Oh yeah. Star Wars battlefront two. Right. And I mean, that's years later too. So, right. 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 Um, right. And that's not, right. this wasn't new to blizzard. They wanted to monetize it. They didn't do it with Diablo two. And they had only recently at the time of, 2012 they'd only recently started to really monetize world of warcraft and starcraft with microtransactions you know like buy these loot cards and buy these packs and stuff like that so they had done it incorrectly at that point yeah so the negative being the implementation was fucked up the development and support for the game was fucked up for a while they really did turn it around in the coming years they started coming out with Seasons. They started coming out with new game modes, new difficulty levels, and the replay replayability factors there. Like I have to actively not play Diablo three because I know I'll get sucked back in. Like, do you remember my phase earlier this year where I I was like hardcore into Diablo three? Okay. Do you remember that? No. Hadn't played it in years, and I just randomly booted it up one day, and it was like the only game I played for like four or five weeks. Um, I went ham on it, uh, but. If there is one good thing to be said about it, it ins- it inspired and influenced a lot of games to come, like Divinity and Divinity 2, Path of Exile, and there's probably a handful of other lesser-known dungeon crawlers that it really influenced. Right. But I think my vote goes to Borderlands 2. I would go Borderlands 2 all day. We are in agreement there. Borderlands 2 moves on. Do you have the bracket up? You want to... I do, yeah. We can do the next one. You want me to? Yep. Go ahead and start it. So, uh, you've got four more games left. The next one in this bracket is is maybe... I'm going to go out on a limb here, Tony. Might be our first upset. Might be. Yeah. yeah maybe. Might be. Maybe. You got... Uh, this is the number... The number nine seed. I can't really see it. It's kind of a small number. The number nine seed, Grand Theft Auto Five from 2013. Right. Which... Talk about a game that has some fucking longevity. True. Uh, going against near uh, Automata or Automata from back in 2017. That's our number 24 seed here on the DTS podcast game of the decade. Uh, so when you want to talk about a, a game that everyone, and I'm talking every single video game owner looks forward to in a single given fucking year. Right. It is a Grand Theft Auto or Rockstar production. Yeah. Whether it's Red Dead or Grand Theft Auto at this point, it doesn't really matter. But the game Rockstar carries so much weight, this shit matters to a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. So it, it doesn't really surprise anyone when you say, holy shit, we're talking about Grand Theft Auto V being one of the greatest games ever, right? right? But it might surprise you that this little weird Square Enix property where the first one didn't really do a whole lot of anything when it came to uh, at least uh, groundbreaking technology is also in that conversation with Nier Automata. Right. That game changed storytelling in, in, in the better 
possible way and also very well uh, in the future might change the way we look at final fantasy final fantasy games yeah um, but this is a this is a pretty big bracket tony uh, i'm gonna run you through some we're gonna start with near because the numbers on grand theft auto 5 are stupid yeah they're stupid big so stupid near came out february of 2017 it was you. You know more about it than I do. So this was like a really anticipated game from Square Enix, uh, or not from Square, but um, oh, the creator Yoko Taro. Yeah, Yoko Taro. Like so he was synonymous with Square, and he ventured out and he made the original Near, and then here comes Near Automata. A lot of critical acclaim, a lot of critical praise um, for the narrative, the characterization. Uh, some shit like that. It goes on to sell a few hundred thousand copies, both in Japan and, and America on its release. Um, to date, it's only at 4 million copies worldwide. So we just got done talking about Diablo, which in the first day sold three and a half million. And we're talking about near that in its entire lifetime has just eclipsed 4 million. Sure. So tell, tell me about what you know about the game coming out. So what I had heard was just that, hey, there's this new action RPG coming out. It's a sequel to Nier. Uh, I remember Nier being this weird fucking game that I did not have a goddamn care for in the world. Right. And the fact that they were even making a sequel to this this game. This is truly um, Japan-influenced. This is very... I mean, Nier origin, the original Nier was 2010, Back on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Right. Now, this is a, also a spinoff of, like, the Guard games, which people really give a shit about. Again, I don't. <laughs> I'm going in. It's so fucking uh, stupid. I'm like, I don't know or care about a lot of this stuff. But what I cared about was the look of the game. And yeah. I was in an RPG mood at that point. And so you have this game that there's so much buzz around. And the biggest thing about the buzz was the storytelling and the interwoven twists, right? Right. And so as a guy who loves a good twist, you're selling me because if there's something that gets me going, rocking me up pretty hard, it's a great story. Yeah. And I'm fucking there. And then when you go, not only does it have a great story, uh, there's some fucking weird ass twists and some fucked up shit that happens in this game. It's it's out there, man. It's out and there. so you're 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 talking you're talking Derek Cantlingo now fucked up shit and some great story action I'm all about it yeah and so that's where I was going into the game but I was also still pretty tepid as far as wanting to spend sixty dollars because I was not a fan of that first one so I was just I was very on the fence about it yep and then as the the accolades come come crawling in and I and I'm a review whore. And this game is just getting its fucking rail sucked. <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, I got to fuck buy this game because uh, oh, it's funny. apparently the best game of the year. So I got to play it. Uh, yeah, I know friend of the podcast, Chris Dugan, just really sucking the near dick, too. He loves the near dick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I almost feel bad about having to talk about the numbers for GTA 5 in comparison. It's and well, and you got to think this game near came out in what, 2017? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, Grand Theft Auto has a four-year window on top of it. I know, but you're going to shit your pants. Well, no, I'm not. I I know the numbers. But on top of the fact that we're also talking about 
a rock star game and that's that doesn't that nothing right. compares to rockstar it's why it's it's why the numbers are only one one facet of if it is the best game or not um <laughs> so grand theft auto 5 comes out september 2013 i'm working at the buy i know i remember you know midnight releases were winding down like nobody really did midnight releases that, at that time but goddamn if we didn't have a GTA 5 and goddamn if there wasn't a fucking load of people i think i think we sold 350 copies in in one midnight release yeah, i mean it I was it. it was a big one. but so near uh, I can't even with these numbers, dude. <laughs> it's not even. It's not the point, though. But just, just yeah. get it out of here. So, Grand Theft Auto Five. What would you guess? I mean, you might have looked up the numbers. Did you look them up? Uh, no, I, I okay. haven't. Not in a while. So, what do you think its first day revenues were? First, first, first well, release re- day for revenue, GTA or 5? how many how many physical games did they sell? How much revenue did they do between game sales and everything else? Um, a hundred million dollars. Up, uh, two hundred. Up, three hundred. Up, four hundred. Up, five hundred. Up, seven hundred. Up, a billy. It did eight hundred million dollars yeah. its first day. It yeah. did one billion in the first three days. Yep. To date, it has grossed over seven billion dollars. Now, put this into perspective. GTA, as a franchise, is the 11th best-selling video game franchise of all time at just over $9 billion. So $7 billion of that is from one fucking game. Uh, and a billion of that is from a three-day period. Yep. The numbers are astronomical. I mean, and, and if you ever go and you look up GTA Five on any PlayStation Store, or Xbox Store, PC, still, I mean, it's on sale right now for fifteen bucks, complete edition. It, well, complete is only the start of it, right? Like, oh yeah, when you there is online stuff. stupid amounts of online. Like you can't even. I couldn't even fathom it. But nope, I'm not even getting into it. Here's what I'll say, right? GTA Five came with. A fucking load of controversy. I mean, it's a GTA game. You're you're fucking banging hookers and you're killing motherfuckers and just you're just slaughtering cops. Like, but goddamn, if that ain't fun, dude. It's. I mean, I you think of Grand Theft Auto, right? Like the first thing I think of when I think of a Grand Theft Auto game is the soundtrack. Oh yeah. And sure, they yeah. Continue. They continue to deliver when it comes to the sound, the story. You know, sure, it's This was probably weird. one of the best ones, though, right? Like, I, I liked Vice so. City, but you got... Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not talking one or two. Trevor Three's was fine. to die for. Three's fine. Vice City is good. San Andreas is probably great. Yep. I didn't finish it, so I don't know. Um, GTA 4 is forgettable. Yeah, 4 was trash, right. to, in my opinion. 5 is really, like... Just the amalgamation of everything they've been looking to do, and, and it works. Trevor's like probably one of one of the best video game characters of all time, like that, and also one of the worst. Oh like, yeah, he's just a scumbag, dude. <laughs> For sure, he's Trevor, just the worst. But I, I remember reading an interview about like where they came up with the idea for Trevor, and it's like they wanted to take the depiction of how people play their game and make it a character. So like 
they're catching all this shit about like fucking hookers and blowing people up and just complete anarchy. And so they just satirically made a character that does that shit. Right. Um, it's just great. But it, yeah. Uh, what's the main guy's name? Mike. Is that it? Uh, you would ask me a question. I don't it's have the it's answer like to. Mike or Mark or Matt or something like that. It's definitely, it's definitely not Mark, but it might be Mike. Yeah. It's something like that. Um, Michael. I think it might be Michael. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Um, listen, we could talk forever about GTA, but it's, it's like open world. There's side quests. There's, you know, blowing shit up behind houses, behind, behind companies. Here's my thoughts on near. Okay. I played it. Um, I was really turned off by the really bland palette. I mean, it's a bunch of grays and golds and browns. So it's a lot of blandness. Yeah. Um, I was really kind of turned off by like the fresh coat of paint on the RPG elements that it put. So like, I remember in near, it's like you had to get chips, right? Like you got chips that give you certain certain abilities and it was really pushing this like ooh, this is a new system like motherfucker no it's not like that's a that's a ring from final fantasy you know what i'm saying like that that's a that's a a piece of equipment that you would equip and it would give you a special ability it's a materia yeah exactly right so whatever i did really like the combat you got the little thing floating with you shooting shit and you know combat was great yeah you You got segmented out stories were great yeah, yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed some of that, but the blandness of it, the kind of monotone characters, it, to be and to be frankly honest, there was a lot of times I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Oh yeah, like no, it's I mean, out there. there. There's no way for you to really understand what the fuck's going on. To be honest, yeah. No, I I beat the game and I'm still not sure. Like, what the fuck are these people robots? Are is this like a brother and a sister? Like, who are these two? Like, right. I just went through the motions eventually. Um, sure. So for me, I appreciate the impact that Nier had, and it took it took a shot and it took a risk. But GTA Five has to take this. I I, I my last thing that I want to say about Nier, okay. because I am with you, is I think Nier is a <laughs> it is an accomplishment that this is a sequel to a game that not very many people played. And was a sequel so successful that, again, they are now talking about giving this man the reins to Final Fantasy, which is a big, big, big deal. Yeah. Um, but Nier is phenomenal. The structure of the story. Um, I hope the they don't do that. This is the design. Yeah, I know you don't want that. Yeah, I mean, but, that's like David and Dan getting Star Wars. You know, like, sure. Yeah, <laughs> bad no. deal. And that, look, look where that went. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think there is something to be said about a Grand Theft Auto game that is still one of the most played watched downloaded purchased and most high the highest grossing video game of all time that is soon to be seven fucking years old right uh, that is insane it's still going man yeah like why create going. a gta 6 <laughs> yeah. you're still cash uh, counting so, it right now so moving on to your sweet 16 i think is grand theft auto 5 i am i'm in full agreement here um i did like near it just turned me off and, and gta 5 was just uh, you can't find many flaws in it, so that's where we're at. Uh, uh, last last one. one of the night, last yeah, last one, one of the night. Uh, we've round. got uh, we got Titanfall two uh, from twenty sixteen, Respawn Entertainment's Titanfall two, which was uh, 
I believe it was an Xbox exclusive for a good couple of years there, Tony. Correct. More of that information here soon. Yep. Uh, and then uh, maybe the most successful and popular mobile game of all time in Pokemon Go. Um, yeah. Which I'm looking forward it, to talking about this one. I, You know what? I am too, because these are two very uh, different video games right. uh, that also kind of set the, set the stage for some pretty big uh, pretty big shoes to fill. Um, of which maybe one has, maybe one hasn't, but, uh, but yeah, Tony, give me, give me some background on Titanfall two. So Titanfall two was cross platform at launch. Titanfall was an Xbox one exclusive launch title. Um, so that's kind of where you're thinking on that, but Titanfall two came out for all platforms in October of 2016. Um, it was really, it, it really underperformed in sales and critical acclaim because it was released right alongside Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, two massive franchises. Um, you know what? But Respawn, they delivered. Um, it's a it's an amazing game. I actually just recently finished it. Um, Sales-wise, though, it's it's lacking. I mean, you're, you're at 4 million lifetime sales. For Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2? Yep. Sorry. So the thing for Titanfall wasn't necessarily about the sales for me. It was the fact that they talked about this game is revolutionizing uh, first-person storytelling um, while with, within a... The game isn't very open-world. It's very linear. For sure. But and it's short. it had a ton of gameplay elements that were refined and, and properly placed. It was Respawn branching out from, again, a Titanfall game that I want to say was really highly touted as one of the Xbox exclusives coming out of the gate and really underperformed from what I remember about it. Yeah. And so having Titanfall 2 come out and be such a success and people talking about not only the game itself, but people loved that Titanfall 2 multiplayer. Like right. They played the fuck out of that Titanfall 2 multiplayer. And again, you're talking about at the time a Microsoft exclusive that then came across to other, uh, you know, the PS4 and a lot of people to play it. But, you know, from a from a story standpoint, from the the calling down, like calling down your Titan, yeah, just feels fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, you don't get to do it as many times as you think. Uh, I mean, like you talked about, the story is very linear. Like you're in your Titan or out of your Titan at the game's behest. Um, it. This is a good example of one of those games that like didn't sell very well, but was amazing. You know, like yeah, bad, bad timing. Um, it's very similar to to what we just talked about with Nier, right? Yeah, Titanfall Two was exponentially better than its predecessor, right? But also didn't sell a gajillion copies as a Grand Theft Auto did, right? But also still changed the game. Like we just played uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, you know, you get Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Wall running. You know what Respawn is known for? Wall running, sure. Wall running. And it feels great. And it feels good. Yep. And they've refined it to be a thing. You know what Apex Legends has? A little bit of wall running. Wall running. Yeah. yeah. You know, just you, you have these, these uh, Respawn trademark. Uh, characteristics. Yeah. yeah. And, and Titanfall definitely delivered on what Respawn Entertainment is there to deliver. And I don't want to put them in a in a hole or, or pigeonhole them into only being able to do a couple things, but that is uh you, you know, they're they're very good at those things. On the contrary, you got Pokemon Go. 
also came out in 2016 and just like I, you cannot describe the phenomena that was Pokemon Go. I mean, you had motherfuckers that don't leave their house walking miles every day to get them some Pokemon. Um, it's crazy. Like, you don't even have to explain Pokemon Go because everybody fucking knows what it is. <laughs> like, you just say Pokemon Go. You remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember. This, this, and I, I mean, we're early, but... That, honestly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to take away. Like you still got some stats you want to read. There's not a competition for me here. Pokemon, there's Go. just not. It's Pokemon Go. Yeah, I, Pokemon I'm Go. It's revolutionized uh, the the mobile game standpoint. It brought to life everything you really wanted from. What if I had actual Pokemon? You know, you have Pokemon groups on fucking Facebook. Right. People were in parks again for the first time in years. People are out there. I mean, everyone, granted, they're all looking at their phones, but they're all out there doing one collective thing. And like, yep. the fact that this company that made this geocaching kind of video game before right. was able to take the Pokemon license and take it to new heights that it had never been before was insane to me. Yeah. And yeah, sure, yeah. it's the most simple fucking thing of all time. But you know how rewarding it was playing Pokemon Go, Tony? It was so good. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't because you fucking cheated. <laughs> I definitely did. You were a fucking cheater. Well, that's like after years, Fucking though. bullshit, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like after fucking three bullshit, years. Tony. Look, I'm talking about this. Let's air this shit right now. <laughs> you fucking cheat, son of a bitch. You fucking fly over to Asia, go to Australia. Bitch, you ain't never been there. Yeah. How you gonna right. get that Pokemon? Here's, you ain't getting no goddamn Genghis Khan. You ain't been nowhere. Here's the... Uh... <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. This is what happened with Pokemon Go is like... You know, it was really great. People were out there walking and exercising and shit like that. And then after a while, Tony like, sitting at a desk. Fuck that. Geocaching himself in Australia. Yeah, dude. Exactly. Um, in Indonesia. Here's what I remember about Pokemon Go. Okay, so it came out, and I was living here in Indianola. I was on the square. I was in an apartment above one of the businesses. So that, that apartment. What's that? Apartment. Yeah, it was. It was cool. Um, like, I just remember when it came out, dude, and it started to catch fire. So, like, I think it came out in the summer, and then by, like, August or September, it was, like, everybody was doing this shit, right? Like, my mom even asked me how to download Pokemon Go. Like, that's how fucking popular it was. It was the it was the deal, son. Yeah. So, I'm I'm sitting in this apartment, and I got, I got like, three or four windows, and I can look out over the, the square. And I'm here to tell you, the square's on lockdown at night, like... There ain't shit going on. I mean, there's a bar kind of across the street, but it's pretty tame. There's like a pizza place and there's another bar down the way. But goddamn it for I'm talking like weeks. There weren't 30, 40, 50 people from 15 years old to 80 years old. I'm not even joking you. Just fucking walking around the square cuz there's like two Pokestops there. There's a gym there. And then a little further down near Simpson is a hot spot. So many motherfuckers at all times of day and night to the point where the sheriff stations there, the sheriffs are like people are bold enough to be walking around loud as fuck at three o'clock in the morning across the street, Pokemon. across the street from a sheriff station. Like, goddamn, there's a noise ordinance, bro. Let me hit you with some with some numbers here real quick. Uh, released in July t- July 6, 2016, uh, the game started 
With 150 Pokemon, they're over 500 now. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, which is crazy. Uh, you know, you had your technical problems at launch, but the idea of the fact that you were able to actually uh, get Pokemon was a big, big deal. Yep. Um, now, it definitely caused the, the company itself, Niantic, to have to... Because all they did was port in all their geocaching areas into this game. They had to change some of that to what you were talking about, going to sheriff's offices and possibly being in the way of actual real issues. Right. They had to change a couple of that because of the, the, the foot traffic, because there was so much of it. Um, by early 2019, the game had over a billion global downloads. Yeah. And had been had grossed $3 billion in revenue. Not surprised. I'm, has, I'm at least probably $100 that. It has 147 million active users as of May of last year. Right. I mean, that's unheard of when it comes to a video game space. You know, I mean, you were talking about WoW having a big deal when it was, what, 10 million, 20 million people using it? Yeah, I think WoW capped out around, like, 12 million. Yeah. You're talking 147 million users on a phone playing Pokemon Go. Like, that's just... it. You will never replicate what this did for the mobile game space ever again. And right. the fact... I mean, I personally haven't played Pokemon in a long time. Um, yeah, I neither just, have I. I, I. I had to get out of it because it was taking up a lot of my life. True. Uh, but it was so fun going... Hey, we'd go to Alabama. Let's see what Pokemon are down here. Let's head up the Pokestops. You'd drive around. You'd see new sites. You'd see new places. You'd see new things. You'd talk to people. But you'd also have the interaction. And I, this is where the negatives come in. Is you definitely had the people that were so hardcore into it. That I, I came out of the public library one day and didn't even realize. Like seven or eight people hanging around out there. And I'm like, what are these people doing? Oh, fuck. Pokemon Go. Loaded up. Raid time. Sure enough, here's a, here's a legendary right here. I'm like, oh, yo, can I jump into one of your guys' raids? I, I want to play too. And they all just kind of looked at me. Yeah. And then laughed and then kept doing what they were doing. And I was like, oh, we're to this stage. This is what I don't want to be a part of is yep. toxic, disgusting game players. It, it so, went through that cycle, didn't it? It definitely did. And so I'm I'm happy to be out of it because it definitely had it had hit the shark moment for me. It had jumped it. Um, but it does not take away from the fact that it definitely landed, uh, and, and really, really changed a lot of things for me. Um, I had never been a phone game player or wanted to be a phone game player. And this really just, just killed it. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly don't know that there's a game on this list that has been more impactful to the, to its industry it, and literally the world as a whole, uh, as, oh, yeah. as Pokemon I mean, go. You're talking about this launched in the United States, New Zealand, and Australia in July. A week later, it was in Germany. A week, a day later, it was in the UK, Italy, Spain, Portugal. I, I can't even give you all these fucking... Yeah. You got Belgium, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech, Denmark, Estonia, Canada, Puerto Rico, Japan, France, Hong Kong, uh, Cambodia. I mean, Cambodia, well, Thailand. All these places have the ability to have pokestops and people playing this fucking game yeah and I, i'm thinking about like real life impact not, like not even video game related impact so like just oh just sure. here in des moines right like so i work downtown nationwide cross the street and down a ways is the papa john sculpture garden right holy shit a hotbed for activity like there's there's spots where you can stand there and hit five pokestops just by standing and when i hit the, when i was at the radio station you could almost do it yep um I'd go out there over my lunch hour. I'm not even joking. Hundreds of people walking around oh, that yeah, sculpture park. Easily. And they're all playing Pokemon Go. And I'm talking like 
the hottest chicks you ever seen to, you know, the, the one out the of the nerdiest tens. of the nerds. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all playing Pokemon all in, it's just so infectious that you're like walking. You're like, Ooh, cool, cool, cool. Motherfucker. And this then was like the Beatles 200 of years away game. or 200 feet away. It's like, there's a squirtle over here. There's a squirtle. And you're like, Oh shit. I gotta get over there. Get that squirtle. Right. Squirtle squad. Um, but like, here's a few things that I remember, right. Uh, about po- the Pokemon go craze of summer 16, um, near downtown is Gray's Lake. Gray's Lake was undergoing massive construction. Oh yeah. Too bad for them. You could not nope, keep motherfuckers out of there. No. They had to literally halt their multi-million dollar project because of how popular it was and how impossible it was to keep people out of Gray's Lake and Waterworks Park. Um, I mean, so like that's just in Des Moines, let alone the shit that was going on like around the world. And there are negatives too. I mean, you know that there's going to be hundreds of people at this sculpture garden park and you're a crazy motherfucker. You want to go shoot them up. I mean that, that happened. Um, oh, yeah. so, you know, Niantic got heat for, uh, some of that stuff. Um, but it, the last thing I'll say about it, cause it's a slam dunk. Like there's probably not going to be a more Pokemon go all day. Pokemon I, go I remember day. that this took the world by such a firestorm that, it shut down Verizon for a couple days. Uh, oh, yeah. It racked them servers. Yeah, like I was on 3G service for a few days. It was so fucking bad. Um, so many people were on their servers. Um, Verizon, like people hit data caps. They're get, you know, they're getting thousands of dollars bills. It was insane to the point that Verizon literally couldn't keep up. And like you're on 3G. I'm on a fucking network from seven years ago. What the fuck? Because of a video game. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm getting .25 megabits per second, motherfucker. Right. I, the, the, the culture phenomenon that was Pokemon, I'm not even lying to you. I mean, it was the Beatles of a video game on your phone. I mean, yeah. nothing has ever, and, and really will ever, I mean, Niantic launched that uh, Harry Potter game that I played and immediately bounced off of because that was trash. Yeah. But... You just you're never gonna find something so simple and so at peace as walking through a park, spinning a fucking spin a little circle, and catching some Pokemon, man. I'm loading this motherfucker up right now. Sure, because you know what? There ain't nothing that as oh oh, I got eggs. I got eggs hatching. Oh yeah, I was gonna say eggs (laughs) eggs all day, right? Uh, If I loaded mine, I'm sure it'd be the same thing. I'm probably over in fucking Tokyo right now. Um, yeah, that's probably sure. Ooh, as a rule, maybe later. Uh, anyway, what I was going to say is like, there was nothing in the summer of 2016 that would make you have a bigger dick than like, I got a Gyarados. I got a dragon. Sure. Oh like, yeah. Oh, you want that shit? What are you going to give me? Right. Like, oh, you know, you want an Arcanine? I got a Snorlax. What's up? Like, right. Big dick slanging is what Everything. was going on, man. Everything. So it's crazy. You know, it was if, all there. If Tinder was a, around in 2016, I know I'd be getting swipe right because I'd be like, yo, I got a CP 3000 Gyarados. Swipe right. <laughs> right. Like, bitches be wanting that. They're yeah, looking for that Pokemon dick. <laughs> so that's it, man. Pokemon Go advances, right? Yeah, I think Pokemon Go takes the up there. Our first upset on the game of the decade uh, list here. Yeah. 
I think Pokemon Go is probably one of the more underrated games that I saw as I was going through this list. Like I would I would say that you rated it a little low, but I'm okay with well, this upset. Like I I think I think Titanfall's great, uh, but Pokemon is definitely the the way to go. So the region's done. Our our next uh next round, at least in this region, will be The Witcher three versus Borderlands two, GTA five versus Pokemon Go. That's gonna be a tough one. Those are gonna um, be good. Uh, next, next, next episode though, give 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 that uh, that lower region there. Go for Tell it, man. We're talking about. Let's hear it. Uh, yeah, so you got you got Red Dead Two, big, big, big fucking game. We got that at a number four seed. You're taking on Batman Arkham City. That's gonna be fun to talk about. Yeah, uh, Bloodborne and Super Mario Odyssey. Holy fuck, that is a nightmare to talk about. Uh, talk Portal about where 2, it hits you with, the feels right there. I know. That's why I got a big smile on my face. Portal Two versus Uncharted Four. That's you're gonna have to do some convincing on there. Portal on, Two is gonna be a tough 2. one to overtake. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm the opposite. I think Uncharted Four takes that, but uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. And then Skyrim versus Doom. You know, I I already said I would be willing to give up Doom, so uh, Skyrim should take the cake there. But you know what? There's a lot there's a lot to love about Doom, especially about a game that had no expectations and fucking crushed it. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, that is a it's a big big bracket and you, coming up in the in the lower region. You did not play Skyrim. I did not. Like I said, you've got a little bit of work ahead of you yeah. when it comes to, if you were talking about games I've played, it's Portal 2 versus Uncharted 4. My heart says Uncharted 4 because I didn't play Portal 2. Uh, and then if you're talking about Skyrim versus Doom, I mean, I can respect what Skyrim did, but I actually played Doom, so you got to convince me here. True that. That's a wrap. Region 1 done in the round of 32. We're going to be back uh, for that second uh, second region here soon as a, as a part 2. Anything else? Uh, that's it. Star Wars this week. Uh, we'll have a we'll have a show going up about that here within the next couple of days. But uh, game of the decade turns on. We are out here. We are really fucking out yeah. here. DTS podcast. I'm Tony. I'm Derek. Good night. Goodbye. Bye bye.